You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Good Friday, Great Sunday, part two of three. Enjoy. It's a three-part message, so we're going to continue with part two today, and it's entitled Good Friday, Great Sunday. Yeah, Good Friday, Great Sunday, and we learned some amazing things. We learned that Christianity is not about heaven and hell. It's about God's amazing love for you. Isn't that awesome? So it's not about heaven and hell. It's about God's amazing love for you. We learned that Jesus... uh, didn't come to die, that he came to defeat death. Awesome. That the cross was not the goal of Jesus. It was the means to the goal. The goal was the resurrection. That's what he was here for, to to defeat death, to rise from the dead so that we could have new life. And it's good to know that sometimes uh, man in his... um, and his theology misses the point and puts the emphasis on the wrong things. But at Highway Church, we want you to know the heart of God. And we want you to put your faith in his love for you, not in man's religion. So Jesus came to defeat death. And we all know what physical death is. Uh, we're all familiar with that. Physical death is when our spirit leaves our body. Did you know we're not physical beings? We're spiritual beings living in a physical body. It's really not strange. It might be unfamiliar, but that's the truth. You are a spirit. And that if your body stops working, your spirit doesn't. Your spirit will go on forever. So it's good to know that you're a spirit living in a physical body. And physical death is when the spirit leaves the body. There could be something wrong with the physical body, or it could be a person's time to leave this earth. But physical death is when that spirit leaves the body. Your physical body can't live without your spirit. So it's good to know that, but spiritual death, the Bible speaks of spiritual death as something far worse and far greater than physical death. Spiritual death is when your spirit is separated from God's spirit. And that's what the Bible calls spiritual death. And let's look at Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Because Jesus came to end our separation from God. He came to end spiritual death and to end our separation from God. And in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, it says we, and this is is a, a letter written to believers in Rome, to those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And it says, we were therefore buried with him, that's Jesus, through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Powerful statement right there. In other words, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, everything Jesus did for you is credited to you. What do you mean? It means that when Jesus went to the cross, you went to the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, you died on the cross. When Jesus descended into hell, you descended into hell. And on the third day, when Jesus was justified, 
and raised up, you were justified, and you were raised up. And when Jesus ascended to the Father, you ascended to the Father. When Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father, we sat down with him through faith. So the the scriptures declare that we're seated at God's right hand with Jesus Christ. That's our standing before God. Isn't that amazing? That when God looks at you, he sees you as his very own son or daughter. And that that you're not any less righteous than Jesus. Isn't that great? That God sees you clean, he sees you whole, he sees you pure, he sees you as his very own son. So when we talk about Good Friday, Great Sunday, and, and we celebrate that every day, Easter Sunday, as it's known. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus every day. The resurrection of Jesus then means new life for you now. So that resurrection, what he did 2,000 years ago, is very relevant to today. Very relevant to to April 2014. In fact, Jesus, through his resurrection, he's made a new life available to us. What kind of a new life? A more and better life than you've ever dreamed of. That's a pretty extreme statement, wouldn't you say? Now, why would, why would I say something like that? That Jesus came that, to make a new life available to you, a more and better life than you've ever dreamed of. I mean, it could be like a, a minister's strategy to get you to come to church. You know, it'd be a good thing to tell you. It, it could be a, a get-rich-quick scheme. It could be something a televangelist tells people to get them to send money. Or it could be the words of Jesus. It could be the truth. How do you know? How do you know when someone's telling you something if you should believe it? Well, you go to the words of the real Jesus, right? If what someone tells me matches him, if it lines up with the heart of Christ and with what he demonstrated during his ministry, I know it's the truth. Let's look at the words of the real Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 10. John chapter 10, verse 10 This is the real Jesus talking. And in the Amplified Translation, Jesus himself, the one who we call Lord, right? The one that we look to, the one that we know is the way, the truth, and the life. He says in the second part of verse 10, I came that, he's stating his purpose. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full, till it overflows. That's straight from Jesus. The Weiss translation says that they might be possessing life and possessing it in super abundance. Super abundance. The New Living Translation says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And the scriptures are also up here if you want to follow along as well. My purpose, Jesus is talking, right? This is not something I made up to try and get people to come to church. This is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, the one that we just sang to, the one that we just gave to financially, right? My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, here it is in the message translation. Look at this. A more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Isn't that awesome? 
Sometimes it's difficult to put the heart and, and, and plan of God into words. And that's why I like to look at the, the many different translations. It helps us get a better understanding of what God's really saying. Now, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, King James says this, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly. What kind of a word is that? Exceeding abundantly. That's a God word. That's a Jesus, that's a Jesus way to say it, right? To do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. This is big. See, God's plan for our lives is big. So we've got to think big, right? Above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. The amplified. Let's look at the amplified of, of verse 20. Look what it says there. Now unto him who is able to do super abundantly. That's just how God talks, right? He's that big. Super abundantly, bigger. Far over and above all that we dare ask or think. If that's not enough, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, our highest desires, our highest thoughts, our highest hopes, our highest dreams. See, when I started reading the Bible, it just totally changed my perspective on everything. I saw these, um, these, um, this amazing heart of God that was directed towards me. Not because of anything I did, because of who he is. And this amazing, exceeding, abundant heart of God is directed towards you this morning. Isn't that awesome? Not because of anything we've done, not because we've done 98 good things this week, but because that's who he is. His love is toward you 24-7, and he wants to do more and above and exceeding beyond your highest dreams and desires. Here's a question for you. Who has set the parameters of your life? You don't have to answer out loud, just something to think about. I mean, is it the government? Is it society? Is it our friends? Is it our family? Who set the parameters of our life? Something very revealing in the scriptures is Proverbs 23, 7. And it says this, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. Hmm. Now, Jesus put it like this in Matthew chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 28, but just to let you know what's happening here. Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is walking along, and there's two blind men calling out to him, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus just keeps walking. He's heading to a home. Jesus goes into a home, and they follow the crowd. And they go into the home, and they come before Jesus. And in verse 28, it says, And when Jesus had come into the house, this is Matthew chapter 9, 28, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? What kind of a question is that? Why does he even ask them that? Hmm. Do you believe that I am able to do this? Now, uh, we're not going to put the scripture up there, but in, in Matthew chapter 13, we learn that Jesus in his hometown it said could do, could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. Who set the parameters of our life? 
As a man thinks within his heart, so he is. In Mark chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, um, it says this, Now he could do no mighty work there except that he had laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Now let's keep reading in verse 28 of Matthew uh, chapter 9. The blind men, so Jesus looks at these blind men. He doesn't ask them where they're from. Doesn't ask them about their social status. Doesn't ask them about their upbringing and how difficult it was. He just asks them a simple question. He says, do you believe? Not the people you came with, but do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they responded right away, yes, Lord. Didn't even hesitate. And in verse 29, it says, then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. Look at how the message says it. He touched their eyes and said, become what you believe. Wow. Have you ever thought about that? Why do you look at yourself the way you do? Why do you think of yourself in the way that you think of yourself? Why do you look at your spouse if you're married the way that you do? Why do you look at life the way that you do? Jesus is telling us a foundational principle here that is so important to understand, that according to our faith, it's done unto us. This is very different than man, what man's religion teaches. Man's religion erroneously, erroneously teaches that, that God just does whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it, and, and, and that whatever happens in our lives is God's will. But God never taught that. Jesus never taught that. The Bible doesn't support that. The, the, when Jesus is speaking, he's revealing a life principle, and he goes right to the heart of the issue. What do you believe? Hmm. So the parameters of our lives are determined not by the government, not by our society, not by our friends, not by our family, not by how we grew up, but by what we believe. It's good to know that because that means I can change the parameters of my life. I can change my future by changing what I believe. And if I put my faith in Jesus Christ, now I'm going to, I mean, those parameters are going to expand and he wants to take me to, to a limitless life. See, we can either limit God or allow him to be limitless by what we believe. And even Jesus, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, was limited by their unbelief. And we see that in the Old Testament as well. We see God, Jehovah God, was limited by the unbelief of his people. But that's not us here at Highway Church. We're people who grab a hold of the word of God, and we put our trust in him knowing that every word, every promise is yes and amen in our lives. And that's really what fear is. Do you know fear is believing? Everybody believes. It's not a Christian thing. It's a human being thing. We all believe things. It, it, we, fear is believing that something negative is going to happen to me. It, fear is believing. When I believe that something negative is going to take place in my life, that's fear. Right? Or, or I'm not sure, but I choose to believe that something negative is going to take place in my life. That's fear. And that's one of the enemy's uh, greatest weapons is fear. Because fear traps you. 
And the enemy knows if he can get you to believe something negative long enough, it will become your experience. As he thinks within himself, so he is. Have you opened up your heart to the reality of who Jesus is? This exceeding abundant, this limitless one, in Mark, someone came to him who had an issue with their child, and he said, he said, you know, Lord, if, if you can um, heal my child, and Jesus looked right back at him, and he said, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Wow. All things are possible to him who believes. In Luke, it says, nothing is impossible to him who believes. All things are possible to him who believes. A more and better life than you've ever dreamed of. Exceedingly abundant. Exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. So what do you believe? What do you believe? What's your life going to be like in a week? What's it going to be like in a year? You may not realize it, but you've probably already made up your mind about that. See, not choosing to think about that and not choosing to believing is choosing to believe something. If I choose not to believe or not to think about my future, then, I, then, that's what I, then I'm leaving that thing open to chance or to the circumstances. So what does your future look like? God sees your future as an exceedingly abundant future. God sees your future. He sees you whole and strong and healthy. He sees you prosperous. He sees you fulfilling your destiny. He sees you expanding and increasing. He sees you going forward and becoming the person you are made to be. He sees you overcoming the circumstances and situations of life. So Jesus came to instill this now reality of God. Good Friday, Great Sunday, that what he, that what he came for is relevant to our lives today. That the resurrection of Jesus is not some ethereal concept that, that we know about and someday, maybe in the future, we'll, we'll, we'll receive the benefit of that in heaven. Jesus came to, so that right now, on this day in April, you can experience a new life. That whatever it is you're facing or whatever it is you're going through, you can overcome that. You can, it can be under your feet and you can be on top of it. And this now, God's always been now. God's never been, uh, never been um, irrelevant. And even back in Exodus, when, when he spoke to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, and, and Moses said, well, who do I tell them sent me? And he said, I am that I am. Tell them I am sent you. And I'm so glad he didn't say, say tell them I was that I was. Tell them that I was sent you. And he didn't say, tell them I will that I will. I will be that I will be. Tell them I will be. Why was he saying I am? Why is he present tense? Because who he is has everything to do with right now. God was never meant to be a, a statue on a shelf that we pray to. He's the living God who made you. He's the one who knits you together in your mother's womb. He's the right now answer to any issue that you face, from the smallest to the greatest. And then we looked at a great example, and I'm going to go there again, of John chapter 11, a conflict in John chapter 11 between a future tense view of God and a right now view of God. And in John chapter 11, we saw uh, three very close friends of Jesus. We saw Mary and, and her sister Martha and their brother, brother Lazarus. 
and their brother was sick, and Jesus was not there, and their brother died. And by the time Jesus got there, Lazarus was in the grave for how many days? You remember? Four days, yeah. He was in the grave for four days. And in John chapter 11, verse 21, Martha comes to Jesus. And she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. So there's faith there, right? There's faith there. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. But now look at Martha's response. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. When's that? Future tense right? So already Jesus, what's he talking about? He's about to raise him from the dead. He's talking about right now. And, and Martha says, well, I know that, but she's putting it off in the future. She believes that Jesus can do it, but, she, but she's not on the same page with him. Verse 25, Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. There's that present tense conjugation of the verb to be again. I am the resurrection and the life. He didn't say, yes, Martha, you're right. That day is going to come. All right, someday we'll all be in glory together. No, he said, right now, Martha, who I am is relevant to the issue you're facing right now. Why do you think Martha put it off in the future? Why do you think that wasn't on her radar? Because she had set a parameter in her heart. He'd been in the grave four days, and that was beyond. Right? That was beyond what she could, what she could accept. Right? You know, they used to think the earth was flat. And that set a boundary, even though it wasn't true. And they believed that if they sailed far enough, they would fall off the earth. That was a real belief. There are a lot of things man believes that aren't true. But nevertheless, it restricted, their, it restricted the way they lived. It restricted their perspective. So what we got to do is look at what do we believe about our lives? And then look at the promises of God. And does what we believe about our future, about our present, about our health, about our family, does it line up with the words of Jesus Christ? So here we have Jesus in the flesh, ready to raise her brother, and she can't even see that because she's put up a boundary. And what he wants to do is beyond the boundaries that she's set in her life. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, look, he's talking present tense. Though he may die, he shall live. So it, it's possible, you know, we talked about spiritual death and physical death. It's possible to be physically alive and spiritually dead. It's possible to be alive and to believe things that keep you separate from God, to keep your spirit separate from God. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is come into the world. Verse 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha said of him who is dead, excuse me, Martha, the sister of him who is dead, says to Jesus, Lord, you forgot something. There's something you don't understand. Right? By the time there is, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. So Martha is saying, Lord, no. My present situation is too difficult for you. The stench is too bad. It's been too long. Right? There's something you forgot, God. 
There's something you don't understand. And verse 40, Jesus says to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? He never mentioned anything about a stench. He's just talking about faith. Martha's concerned about a stench. What's he saying? My glory, believing in me, covers everything. When you put your faith in me, I've got you covered. Every little nuance of your situation is covered. If you'll just trust me. Sometimes when you choose to believe a promise of God in your life, and you you spend time in the Word, and it becomes real to you, so real that you begin to act on it. And when you step out and do that, sometimes smelly circumstances will confront you. Things that stink, things that are contrary to the promise you've just put your faith in will look you right in the face. And the reason for that is, is that Satan wants you to back down. He wants you to change what you believe. And that's why it's so tragic when someone changes what they believe because of what they've been through in life. Because we're living in a battlefield. Planet Earth is a battleground. And all kinds of things go on in planet Earth that are contrary to the heart of God, contrary to the will of God. That's why Jesus, when he was on Earth, he rebuked things. He told us to pray, God, your will, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There'd be no reason to pray that prayer if God's will was already done on earth. He wants us to enforce that. So Jesus uh, is saying, I've got you covered. If you'll just believe, my glory covers every area, every nuance of your circumstance. If your faith is in Jesus, you're standing on solid ground regardless of what the circumstances look like, if your faith is in him. Verse 41, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me. Do you know that? How did Jesus get so confident? By studying the scriptures, right? by taking God at his word and spending time on that word till it becomes real and then acting on that word. And I began doing that in 1989 where I would see a promise of God and I would just spend sometimes 15, 20, 30 minutes, hour, hour and a half, three hours on that promise. I would just meditate on that thing. One scripture like John 10, 10. And I would do that day after day. And it got to a point after doing that that it became real inside of me and it changed the way that I walked. It changed the way that I approached situations. And sometimes what happens is people try and act on the Word of God, but it hasn't become real to them yet. They haven't got it inside of them. They've heard someone talk about it and they were inspired, but they haven't internalized it themselves. So at Highway Church, man, we're all over this thing. We grab a hold of the promises of God, and we let Jesus be limitless in our lives. Verse 42, he says, I know that you have always heard me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this. So Jesus wants us to know the Father in the way that he knows the Father. He wants us to be confident in the Father in the way that he was confident in the Father. Verse 43, now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. 
And he who had died, right, in the tomb four days, came out bound hand and foot, and I bet you he was smelling good, with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. I like to imagine what that would have been like to see Martha, the face of Martha and Mary and the people there, to see that their, their grief just vanish and joy come. Well, that's what God has for us. He desires to do that in our lives. Are there things in your life that need a resurrection? Are there things in your life that you've kind of given up on? You figure it's just been too long. Too much has happened. It can't change. Well, I want to encourage you today to grab a hold of the right now reality of God, that no situation, no circumstance, no amount of time can supersede his love for you and his power in your life if you'll just let him be limitless, if you'll just stop worrying about the smell and how bad the things have been. He's got you covered. If you'll just embrace the limitless one and let him be limitless in you. Hmm. You see, we experience this now reality of God not by going to church and not by singing songs or, or not by reading our Bible, but by taking the Word of God and looking to the Word of God first and immediately for every issue that we face. Give you an example. I grew up in a, a medical family, and... Um, and I'm, I'm just sharing with you my life experience, not finding fault with anyone. And um, they, they had a, a lot of medical knowledge. And boy, I was just a sick kid and young man. I was sick a lot, a lot of problems, allergies, respiratory problems. Every time the wind seemed to blow, I'd be down. I would be down for two, one, two, three weeks, hospitalized, in and out of children's hospitals, all kinds of tests. And, and there really wasn't a whole lot they could do for me. And uh, I got older, you know, and I didn't know about, I didn't know the Bible, I didn't know God's promises. But thankfully, right before I turned 20, I got a hold of a Bible, someone gave me one, and I began reading the Bible. And a whole new world opened up to me. And there were things that I were told I would just have to live with the rest of my life. And I had my, my medications that I, I carried with me and my different things. And, and, and I, as I read the Bible, I thought, you know, Hey, it's okay. If this is God's will for me, I'll just, I can live the rest of my life this way. But I started reading the words of Jesus, like all things are possible to him who believes. Have faith in God. I tell you the truth, that anyone who says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He'll do even greater works than these, because I go to the Father. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And all of a sudden, the boundaries of my life just shattered. And I love that about God, is he doesn't limit us. Religion limits you. Man's belief about God will limit you. But Jesus will never do that. He never once reproved or rebuked his disciples for believing too much. It was just the opposite. So I began to read these things, and it took time. But I began to receive healing in my physical body. 
And this is just a funny little story. This is, I mean, I had, I had a spine issue. I had um, respiratory issues and different things. I'll just show you a, a simple one. It was an allergy to cats. I mean, it was bad. I could be around a cat for an hour and be flat on my back. Hard, I couldn't breathe for days. And my body would just react that way. And what's kind of funny is I think back as a child, I remember, and, I did, and now I look back, I could see it. I was a little boy at my grandma's, and I was playing with a cat. I must have been probably about five years old. And I remember petting that cat, and I felt like a blanket just got laid on top of me. Couldn't articulate that back then. And from that moment on, I was allergic to cats. Interesting. I just remember that as a child. I'm petting this cat, and it just felt like an invisible blanket was laid on top of me and from that moment on and until I began reading the scriptures. So here's a situation in my life, and I wasn't around cats a lot, but then the, the woman that I married had cats in her home, had a cat, Kirby. Remember Kirby? So I, I had to be around cats. And it was just, I, it wasn't a life or death situation, but it really knocked me out because I was around a cat for a while, and man, my, my, my bronchial tubes would just begin to close up. Very difficult to breathe, and I couldn't lay flat. I had to sit up and try and sleep, and it was just, it was not good. So I began to, to meditate on these scriptures, and I began to learn that this was not God's will for my life. And I began to speak to my bronchial tubes, and to my lungs, and to my respiratory system. And I began to say, Jesus bore your allergies. With the stripes that wounded Jesus, lungs, you're healthy and strong. Jesus took my allergy to cats, and with the stripes that wounded Jesus, I have been healed. And nothing changed right away physically. I don't know how long the period of time was, but I stayed in the Word. Maybe it was six months, maybe eight months, maybe a year, maybe two years. I don't remember. But it came to a point, and even just last, when was the last time we were at Grandma McConnell's? Was that last... Last summer, we sat. We went to visit uh, her grandmother and sat in a trailer, a closed-in trailer with air conditioning, with a cat there. That would have been a death sentence to me before. I sat there and not so much as a sniffle, you know. And that's a little example, but to me it was a big deal. And he's done that with every issue that I faced physically. But it didn't come uh, by just going to church. I, I. In the morning, I'd get up, and I'd find promises related to my physical health, and man, I'd speak those things over my body. I wouldn't ask God to heal me. I would speak to my body directly. And I'd say, body, you are well, and you are strong. You are healthy. I needed a new disc in my spine, because there was an abnormal disc in my spine. And I began to speak to that disc, a disc, you're healthy and strong, you're perfectly formed, and you're whole. This is a limitless way of living. This is a different way of living, and man's religion can't get you there. The limitless word of God will get you there. And as you begin to do this, and whatever it is, it could be something in your relationship with your spouse. It could be something in training your children. Whatever it is, do you go to God first? Or do you go to man's psychology? Or do you read online to try and figure out how to raise your children? Why not go to God, the Father who made your children? Say, God, teach me how to be a father. Teach me how to be a mother. Teach me how to raise these children in you. And boy, he'll do it. I didn't have a clue how to be a husband. didn't have a clue how to be a father. So I would go to my father, my heavenly father, say, God, change me. Show me how to do this. Teach me how to love my wife. Teach me how to love my children. 
So when we make him a present tense reality in our lives, when we go to him, we look to him for every issue and every situation, we cultivate this intimacy with him that goes way beyond religion. It becomes a real living relationship. He becomes the source. He becomes the answer for my problems. He becomes the one that I look to. And all of a sudden, the boundaries and parameters of my life begin to, to, to change and to expand. And eventually, all things are possible to him who believes. I am the resurrection and the life. And Highway Church, we want you to grow in that relationship. We want you to look to God first, to not put any limits on him, to realize that there is a promise in his word, many of them, that apply to any situation that you could ever face, and to encourage you to go to him first, to seek him and to grab a hold of him and know that his word cannot fail you. If you'll just put your faith in him, watch what he'll do. He's an amazing God. Psalm 18 Excuse me, Psalm 16, verses 8 and 9. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Have you set the Lord always before you? In other words, is he the one you look to to answer the issues of your life? The small ones, the medium-sized ones, and the big things. Psalm 16, 8 and 9, I set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Now we'll go to Psalm 18. I will love thee, O Lord. Look, my strength. See, he's personalizing that. You are Lord. You are Jehovah, but you're my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Psalm 121, verse 2. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 3, verse 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts my head. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people, verse 6, who have set themselves against me all around. Verse 8, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. And two more scriptures talking about making God a present tense reality in your life, looking to him for the answers and issues that you face. The resurrection of Jesus has everything to do with you today. Verse uh, 11 of Psalm 5, but let all those who take refuge and put their trust in you rejoice. Let them ever sing and shout for joy. Why? Because you make a covering over them and defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you and be in high spirits for you O lord will bless the righteous with favor you will surround him with a shield he's the present tense now god and as we're, we're praying and closing this morning i just want you to think what are the things in your life that you haven't taken to god that you're not looking directly to him for an answer let's go ahead and pray together father we love you so much and Lord, we ask you right now to help us not put you on a shelf, to not limit you in our lives, but to take everything to you, no matter what it is, how difficult it might seem, or how insignificant it might seem, that we would bring it all to you, 
and that we trust in you to fix it. We may not, we not, may not know how you're going to do it, but we certainly know that you're going to do it. And Lord, we, we bring these things to you. And Lord, I pray for everyone here and everyone that, that hears this podcast or hears this message in any form. Lord, that they would bring their stuff to you. The stuff that smells real bad and, and the stuff that just stinks a little bit. The issues that they're facing and the circumstances and that they would believe that you are the resurrection and the life. And that they would experience who you are through faith in you. That they wouldn't limit you by unbelief, but they would allow you to be limitless in their lives by knowing that you desire to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. At Highway Church, we want you to know that the resurrection of Jesus then means new life for you now, a more and better life than you've ever dreamed of. Embrace the promises of God and let God be limitless in you. In Jesus' name, amen.